Well, Cora and I are back again. And uh, in this episode, uh, we talk with Abby, who uh, is part of a working group at the CNCF, and they've been working on a platform maturity model. And uh, as, as, as I think I, I start off with, I, I really like this, this paper. I was asked to uh, review it at some point. And I think it's, uh, it's a good, concise way of basically explaining the journey of, of, of a platform team. And uh, it has five categories that we'll get into. And I think, I think it really is, it's, it's, they're still working on it. As Abby says, it's kind of like in a, an alpha version. Uh, but I think it's in a, a good shape to start start sharing uh, publicly. What do you think of the conversation, Cora? I, I mean, I loved it. So Abby Bangser is a, a principal engineer, I think it is, at Sintasso. And uh, she has just a, a wealth of experience in this area. And um, and they've been, you know, having conversations with a working group where she was describing that they, you know, they're, they're down to like debating about should it be this word or that word. So they've really given this a lot of thought and, have, and, and a lot of care into it. Um, and I believe this started at Sintasso and then was uh, donated to the uh, CNCF. Um, and now, actually, it's uh, again, we know we like to, to find publications to talk about on this podcast. So that so this document is actually a public uh, Google Doc that anybody could, uh, of course, read and comment on and contribute to. Um, so if you're interested in this topic, definitely uh, listen to this conversation. And then if you, if you want, you can go give your feedback and, and contribute to this, uh, burgeoning, cl- uh, platform maturity model. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's a good, a good point is if, uh, if, if you end up listening to this and, uh, and you're interested, I think they're very interested in, uh, in feedback, especially the, I, as we were talking, I was writing down a few people I know who actually are, uh, run platforms <laughs> and ha- have done for, uh, for a couple of years. And I, I need to send this along to them and see, uh, see if they're what they think if they're interested in contributing to it. I'm sure they're busy, but you know, also they're nice. Maybe they, they want to help out with the overall thing. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's jump into it. It's, it's a, it's a good interview. And why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me all. Um, I'm Abby Bangser. I am uh, based in London, despite my East Coast America accent. Uh, and I work as a principal engineer at a company called Sintasso, uh, working on trying to improve the lives of platform engineers uh, by building Cratics, which is a framework to help build your platform. And and uh, we, we caught up a little bit at KubeCon where uh, I, I uh, let's let's see how. Did, oh, I think I think, uh, well, our mutual friend, I suppose, Paula Kennedy. She emailed me just three, four months ago. I forget when. And uh, y'all have been working on this uh, platform maturity model paper, which uh, I, I, I got the chance to look over. It was fun. And I thought it was just great. It's like nine pages of like a bunch of answers in, in a, you know, a maturity model thing. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, I like a maturity model uh, because it basically like, I don't know. I, we'll, 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 we'll see how, how you two would describe it. But I feel like it adds a certain amount of comfort and surety, right? It's sort of like, we're gonna, we're gonna go out and like transform things for the better and improve the way we're working. And like, sure, we need to be a learning organization and discover things and have our mind wide open to the possibilities of our own awesomeness and the failure that drives our success. But also here's kind of what's gonna happen. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like uh, and of course you update the maturity model as you go along in, in, in time and history, but like, it's, uh, it's nice. And I thought, I, uh, you know, what I, I, I liked about it is, uh, well, among many things is you've kind of gotten it, you break it out into like, I think it's five different sections or whatever you might want to call them, sort of like acti- clusters of activities will, you will be doing. And then like any maturity model, 
you of course want a numeric rating of some sort, uh, which again is handy to know, to know sometimes numbers are good. I think in our, our business of transformation, you're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to not like any rating system based on numbers, but, uh, they can be fine. I, my, 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 uh, my wisdom on that is bad things are bad. Uh, and, and you should do the, uh, the good things. Anyhow, uh, what, you know, the first, so after my opening monologue there, like what, you know, when, when y'all were working on this, like what, what was in y'all's head about what a maturity model is? Like, what, what does it represent? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I thought I was going to have my head absolutely bitten off when we started going for asking kind of feedback on this around people that we know around the industry and, and people that we respect in, in platform engineering and, and around. And I was surprised how many people were positive about it because I myself am a recovering uh, consultant and I can say <laughs> right. that I have seen uh, maturity models go wrong and I've also seen them be really effective, right? And I think that's like when you've seen maturity models applied in a really kind of negative way and kind of a stick to beat people in a way to yeah. take away people's bonuses or something like that kind of way, you you tend to get a little bit cautious about just the concept because as you said it is familiar it is something people have probably seen before probably used before and that's both its strength and its weakness uh so why then you might say if i if i had these fears like why did we even talk about a maturity model and i think for us we were looking at the work that the cncf working group uh platforms working group had done with the white paper and said mm -hmm. this is great but we're still seeing people multiple people read the same paper and come out saying what to us sounds like different things. Mm. So we're seeing people read this and go, yes, I am delivering a platform. Like I have uh, Terraform modules that people can copy and they can make PRs to my repo. That's self-service. And we're like, yes, but is it self-service if you have to learn another language, if you have to wait for another team to merge your PR or like give comments on your PR? Is that truly self-service or is that just kind of inner sourcing, which is a step above kind of throw a ticket out into the black void and hope someone responds with something useful, right? So I don't mean to diminish the value of those kind of workflows, but they aren't yet kind of what we were talking about when we were releasing that white paper. And so we wanted to, we wanted to address that by having a conversation at one level more concrete that did actually acknowledge some of the things that can detract from a great platform engineering mm. experience and solution, as well as the things that can support and encourage a great one. A lot of times you talk only about what a good one looks like and you, you get kind of nervous to talk about what maybe is taboo or not maybe supporting a positive outcome. And a maturity model yeah. gives you that space to talk about like level one is a platform. Now, is it the most effective you can be? Probably not. Like here are going to be the impacts of operating at this level. And so I think that's the power of it that we were talking about when we got started. Uh, it also kind of defines what a platform is, right? You're, because a uh, platform is a, it's, it's a word that's used in so many different contexts. So a person who does work on, at the infrastructure layer to them, a platform is what, you know, automating and adding self-service to what they uh, have a purview over. And so this is really a way to say we're defining, and, and, and I guess to that point, it seems like developer experience is like the ultimate measure of it, right? Like if you could break it down to like one metric or one thing to measure everything, would you say, well, I guess what would you say that it is? 
Ooh, developer experience is another tough one. You're just, it's just layering more kind of ambiguous terms on top of each other. Uh, but I think most recently there's been that space article that's come out about developer experience being a proxy for product developer productivity because it's hard to, you, you can't measure lines of code or hours worked as productivity. So um, I think in the way they described developer experience as something that tracks uh, business outcomes by reducing the cognitive load and reducing the friction on delivering outputs as a developer, as a software engineer, I think, yes, then that is what a platform is trying. What we, the, the version of platform that we're talking about is trying to do, an internal platform is trying to do. So. Yeah. And, and, and well, well, let's, let's, I'll let myself chase this, uh, this uh, shiny object or rabbit or whatever, but like, what, uh, what, what, what do you think of this, like, obsession with cognitive load as a concept? Like, I mean, it's not bad, <laughs> but it's, it seems like in, in the platform engineering space, like it's a real, like it comes up a lot. And I, I guess, again, it's not a good situation to have anyone like mentally toiling over something that should be easier. That, that doesn't sound like a good way to live. But like, what makes it such a big deal in the platform space that there's a lot of focus on it? Yeah, it's a, it's again, layering. I appreciate you called that out because I think it's again, layering those ambiguous terms because cognitive load gets said so frequently, as you said. Yeah. But actually there's like three different types. And the what we're actually trying to do with internal platforms is is focus ourselves on the cognitive load that is bringing business value is actually the complexity of your business domain that you're trying to tackle and deliver value behind while reducing uh -huh. the cognitive load that relates to just getting the job done or uh, and, and understanding right. your environment, right? So people don't always talk about the fact that like, we're not reducing all cognitive load as a platform. We're not just making a software engineer's job completely rote and uninteresting. We're trying to give them the power to spend their energies and their cycles on the, the useful stuff. Um, but I think the reason why it's so valuable in kind of the internal platform side is because uh, I, I run into two different types of software engineers. There's probably more, but if I'm going to make it black and white, you get the software engineers who are like, Terraform what? No, no, I don't want to help. And then you get the ones that are like, ooh, new language to learn. Sure, I'll learn Terraform. <laughs> uh -huh. And they go off in their, down their rabbit hole of learning Terraform, becoming the best infrastructure engineers you have at the company. And <laughs> in neither case is that what your company wants them spending their time on. In the case of like, I'm just going to stop working until someone hands me a database because I don't know what Terraform is. That's no good. And in the case of, I realize I'm trying to work on this feature that, you know, our customer ABC asked for, but actually I want to make sure my Terraform is correctly modularized and variables are easy to reuse and is also not what you want them to be working on. And so I think reducing even the um, awareness of the implementation of infrastructure is that idea of giving a bit more focus and a bit more, um, opportunity for the software engineers to focus on their problem spaces. And that's what I think when people talk about reducing cognitive load on software engineers, people are really trying to hone in on. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, kind of like you're describing to, 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 to visualize it, it's uh, your, uh, your cognitive load is like a balloon. Like you're, you're assured a certain amount of it and you just want to make sure the part of the balloon you care about is 
less full <laughs> like you're, you want to spend all your time focusing on just like the the actual application and the business and not you know having a perfect set of variables for how you configure your your networking right. or it or also whatever. it also requires that the platform uh uh team understands better what develop what the developer experience is what what they need mm. how they operate so they so it's funny because like we we when there isn't a good platform solution, we find developers like the the second example you described, the Terraform, you know, curious person going and learning infrastructure. But now, if we need a uh, we need a platform that is going to service developers well, we actually need to ask the infrastructure people or the platform people at least to understand development a little bit better. Absolutely, because that's been new. I don't know how the platform sort of community or demographic has experienced this because I I think I see it from probably the, the developer side still, but, uh, but yeah, I wonder how, you know, how, what, what that perspective is within the, the platform community that they've sort of been forced out of their silo to learn about development. But, uh, but I guess on that note, also they've adopted development practices, right? Like GitOps is an adoption of a development practice practice to service uh, engineering. So, so I guess there's benefits. If, if you uh, get the right people going, they might argue that it was an adoption by developers from the operations space with oh. things like Puppet and Chef and those kind of auto reconciliation loops. So GitOps is a whole, is a whole other thing. Um, oh. But I, I definitely agree. I think that the, the, the subtle thing that's happening right now is that people who are on platform teams tend to think of themselves as engineers. They are engineers. They are writing code, whether that be in a different language than their front-end peers, it's the same thing as you have front-end and back-end developer-focused people. Uh, and so what you've, in the past, I think, tended to have is these engineers who are building internal services who are like, I'm an engineer, I know what engineers want, and then they build what they think engineers want based on their own kind of skills and knowledge and, and expectations. And now we're seeing the rise of a, of a phrase called platform as a product come into play, where all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you are, you, you share some characteristics of your users, you are not your users <laughs> and you need to be building for your users. And so that's where I think where I'm hearing you, Cora, is like, it's not about the platform team understanding development as much as understanding development's tasks or development's needs or like what is they actually want to get done i think that's the thing that people are being challenged with now and you asked you know am i seeing that kind of coming through into the platform space and it absolutely in conversation i think in practice it's still it's still growing uh it's definitely growing uh but i wouldn't say it's yet uh the default behavior i think we're starting to see more and more product managers in the internal platform space which is helping to bring some skill sets to the teams um and the conversations helping to prioritize that kind of work but i think it's still still a learning process uh for how to apply those product skills to internal platforms yeah which is like a really great i mean this whole idea of platform <coughs> as a product has so many angles um and i think like when i first was introduced to the term i think i thought about it more in terms of like um i guess uh man i, I saw like more the side of like how do you upgrade and how do you manage it as a whole and how you break down your work how do you work amongst the product team but really the point that you're making is really key that platform as a product means that you start by looking at the needs of your users Right. That's I guess is it, maybe that's the biggest difference, in fact. 
Yeah, I think it was popularized by team topologies, really. Um, that idea that your your platform um, should be something that is optional. Mm -hmm. you, you have the upper leg on any competitors because you should be able to be right there talking to your customers completely bespoke to your company. But if they're able to go out into the market and find something that would meet their needs better than what you're offering internally, they should be free to do that within the constraints of the business requirements. They still are going to have to to meet any compliance requirements and things like that. But that just shows you how the gap you might have between what you think your customers need being the software right. devs and what they actually need. If they're choosing to go out into the public market, choosing to apply their own security requirements because they're like, Oh, this platform isn't meeting my expectations. So. Right. That's that's, it's so fascinating that to make it optional forces you to build the best thing. Cause you need people to want to use your platform. That's yeah. it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. Does that, is that um, so the, the maturity model that you're suggesting has, several categories, right? You have funding, adoption, user experience, backlog, organizational structure, and cross-functional representation. But what you just said seems to tie in best with adoption, perhaps. Is that, would you say that? Yeah, I think, I think, um, so just to call out, all these sections are sort of in their version alpha. <laughs> and it's, it's an active work in progress with the CNCF working group right now that we're trying to get people to join in. So if this is something, if you're listening and you're interested by this, please come tell us why we're wrong, why we're right, what we can do to, to make it better um, and, and evolve this. But you're exactly right. The adoption, user experience, backlog, all sort of mix together and all have influence over that um, kind of usability of the platform or choice to use the platform by by the software developers. So is the user experience such that they want to use it? Is it tailored to their needs? Is it giving them high level business options that that get them going quickly? That's sort of the, the top level there with paved paths. Um, are they, from adoption, are people actually getting the support? Is there, are you investing as a platform team in internal advocacy, internal DevRel, where you are um, elevating the voices of people who have had success with the platform, you are answering questions in public, making it easy to ask questions, all those kinds of things can uh, make a big difference. And then obviously how you track what comes next. Are you just taking the next thing off the backlog that someone told you to make? Or are you thinking through the evolution of this product, solving the big business problems that maybe people don't know how to ask for, right? That faster horses versus a car kind of idea. Um, are you treating it like a product that you're trying to design uh, intentionally and, and deliver? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, like the, the, the cluster of stuff and the, the adoption, right? Like you kind of went to the levels, like, I think especially like the, uh, the platform advocacy part is like, I, I well, I've noticed it's one of the two things that when I've talked with infrastructure people who are becoming platform people, like that's that's one thing that they don't really it doesn't occur to them naturally <laughs> that that you would have like advocacy and marketing and those kind of things. And I think like it really is I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a group I've talked with that has put a platform in place that does not have like advocacy and marketing. And I'm pretty sure they all do like they all like like, you know, they usually come up with like a brand name for what they're doing. And they have like usually like a full time person dedicated to just like doing that. And they do like conferences every three months and on and on and on. And like, you know, having worked in marketing for many years, 
I just think of that as marketing, <laughs> but I, it's like, it's, it, it is like a very different skill and role for like infrastructure or even like engineer people to have, uh, to, to need to sell that or market it internally. And, and of course the second one, the second role being product management, which is like, even for software developers sometimes is a wacky notion, uh, to, to have product managers, but it's, uh, Anyways, I, I think the advocacy thing is 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 key to that because otherwise, people aren't going to use it. I mean, <laughs> or no. or even 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 worse, they use it but poorly because they're upset <laughs> about well, it. Yeah, I get, but I guess I mean advocacy. So on on the one hand, because advocacy is on the scale, it's uh, what, what was it like a number five? It shows it, it shows maturity level five. Is our, our current top, but the numbers don't mean it's just the top. The the fourth is the, the <laughs> yeah. layer. Maybe but, I'll have to put those yeah. words around those to uh, to help Kote so we don't have numbers. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like, yeah, yeah. you know, toddler, infant, toddler, teenager. Well, we could we could we could really <laughs> appeal. We could you could appeal to the, uh, the 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 younger demographic and use emojis. Uh, and, and like... Oh, I like it. I like it. See, this is why you've had marketing experience. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. But that's really your hook, right? Like, I mean, you, I guess you have to have a platform that is at some level of maturity to go out and advocate and, and, and try to get people to move in. But on the other hand, um, that's your, that's your arm into like really understanding user experience, because if it is optional and you're going out to, to show people and hope that, that, you know, in, if you explain to them how it works and, and its benefits, they'll want to get on. Those are the people who can best see why mm. people choose to use or not to use it. So do you think like that's where maturity models, this is, this is one of the, the places where maturity models can start to rub because I don't, I don't believe you have to have a super mature product, super mature platform to have a mature adoption strategy. Otherwise, yeah. when you think about like um, an early stage startup, <clears throat> us, like then we would basically have no talk about marketing or advocacy because we're not a fully fledged, completely ready to go to market product, except we do have all of that because that's what's helping us build the right product for people. So yeah, yeah. To me, that level four is about um, actively making space for and investing in and acknowledging the need for that kind of advocacy, dev, DevRel, marketing sort of skill set. And it's not that there's a one size fits all to like, this is how you do marketing. This is how you do DevRel. It has to be a mature product ready to, you know, here's your documentation kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Like you do have to, hmm. that is a good point that you don't want those things to necessarily be, to use a fancy word, uh, what is it, temporal or chronological? Like, like it's more, I guess it's the case, at, at least as, as we're going through it and like, you know, as, as y'all are modeling it, that it's more of less of like uh, uh, a, a line on a chart going towards awesomeness and more like a spider diagram where you've got like multiple, you know, multiple attributes that you can like fill out and you know you can you can wait out what you have what you want to focus on and uh because you're basically saying if you achieve all of these if you're yeah see that that you've really thrown a loop for it there <laughs> because because it does seem like it requires i agree with what you're saying like i i always find that like you need that advocacy almost right away even if you don't have full maturity for exactly the reasons y'all were saying and and you know, you're highlighting core that like you need a way to get input of what's going on. So that is uh well that's annoying. 
I think the <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's a, the 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 virtuous cycles, right? And yeah, I think yeah. one of my one of my um, teams that I know that did kind of UX on like develop um, user experience on one of my past projects, past past lives, uh, had what they called beers and tears, and they would uh -huh. like watch kind of watch back user testing, or they'd go and like ask someone to try and ask someone to come present how they currently achieve something. And it would just be, they would just tear it apart. as like, oh my gosh, how is this what we're making our users go through? Like, what could we do to make this better? And, and it's actually kind of the whole idea of what's painful, do more of like, go find the things that are really terrible and really lean in and, and be outwardly okay with acknowledging your faults as a platform. Uh, platform currently so that you can show that you're open and ready to improve right. because right. if you get there and go our platform's perfect of course you should be using it here's here it is and other people are just looking at it and going the emperor i don't right. think it has any clothes and then it's harder to fix things if you the later you find them if you do bring in advocacy when your when your platform is you know quote unquote perfect then it's probably too late to fix some of the decisions more painful when people say yeah. it's not perfect uh it's much more painful right so right, right yeah so that's and that's where like this maturity model i think we're still growing i think you mentioned a spider model kote and that was something we did talk about whether or not we should have more aspects like and nested so that you can sort of show that you have mm. a strength around the people and process side but maybe not so much in the technology side or you know sorry sort of start to get that shape of your platform um yeah. we didn't go with that complex model to start but those are the kinds of things we're discussing right now on is that the way it should go is that going to be more helpful to people or is that going to become more of a box ticking exercise which is what we want to stay away from that sort of for sure of, all right so I don't know. Those are the pros and the cons when you're designing a model, right? Yeah. All models are. Yeah. Different. Yeah. So what, I guess, what about um, speaking of different models? Um, I guess, can you talk a little bit about the, the cloud native maturity model and uh, how, how this is different and what kind of led to a decision to create something new? Yeah. The cloud maturity model, cloud native maturity model is fantastic. So we're actually, one of the pieces of work right now is trying to make sure we're in, in, um, intentional where we split from there and where we try and align. So there's going to be some pulling closer and there's going to be some more explicit splits. One of the things that I'd say is very different between the two models and as of now is staying different, but again, work in progress, uh, is that their model is a stepped model. So as in level one across people, process, technology, governance, I think was the fourth, is you are level one for all of those things. And that is like adopting, I think, or what's the, I have the words around here, building your cloud native experience. Then you go to level two is operating your cloud native experience. And that is across all four of those areas, uh, people, process, governance, um, technology. And that's not the way we've gone with this model. This model is more like these things can move independently and you may find yourself at level three for something and level one for something else. And you may find yourself unable to move further in a certain category until you kind of improve one at least a little bit, a different category at least a little bit. So they are interconnected, but loosely. Um, yeah, and I think that that was partly based on honestly, like it's really one of the places I think if you fall apart first trying to apply a maturity model is when you go, well, my people is level three but my process is level one where am i 
And then you start to really fall apart. And we didn't want to try and tackle the most perfect everybody's here. We're seeing people tackle us in very different ways. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, like, you know, for, from what you're saying, it's interesting to think of it. Well, because because the, the bad thing would be would be like, well, this year we're going to go up to at least four on all of these. Right. To just like have some unconsidered like because four is better than two. And, and yeah. so we must do better. Whereas whereas really there, there's almost like there's uh, uh, in, in there's there's some value in thinking about the trade offs you make between these five areas. Right. And and, you know, whatever the final form may take, it's almost like by defining four levels uh, in, in each of these, like the backlog, you can be reactive, scheduled, evolutionary or platform as a product. Right. And so like. If, if you kind of define these these like four levels you can have, you could say like, well, we're only going to be scheduled right now because we want to favor, I don't know, getting more platform advocacy. Like that's the more important thing. So you can actually make trade-offs and because they act more independently, it's not like you, you have to feel bad about yourself or your, your organization that you're not like progressing through all of these. It's more just like a, uh, a recipe that you can... You can uh, Maybe not mix and match things. That's the wrong weird idiom. But you can you can sort of ch choose where you want to focus, and, it'll and you be might okay. be choose to be scheduled for now because yeah. you have a certain amount of backlog right now of fires that you have to put out, and that is not something that you want to try and shift just yet because it will cause a lot more havoc. And so, actually, being scheduled is the right decision for your company for this moment in time. And so therefore it frees you up to spend time on another category. So you can even think of it in like a positive way, right? Where you are choosing to be here so that you can spend the, but that gives you time to spend elsewhere. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely the intention as it stands is that like you can trade these off and, and focus on them and see that if you're struggling to move between the levels, maybe you should look at some of the other categories to see your aspects, mm. to see, are they what's holding you back? So mm -hmm. are you struggling yeah. to get to kind of platform as a product because you're actually at still level two of adoption where you're sort of assuming that if you build it, they will come. And actually that's like the antithesis of having a product that is optional and that people have to give you feedback on and that you are, going to market with right so yeah uh, those things will happen so so let, let's talk about the funding part that's always fun no pun intended that's terrible uh but the the the, the four levels there are that you have one off right like it's a project and then you have uh, like an annual budget which means it's determined every 12 months and you know mm -hmm. Depending on your organization, I'm sure you spend two to three months just on a slides. regular budget. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> and then and then there's the 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 platform team budget, and then the 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 P and L, the profit and loss, and like so. So first of all, like what what are y'all like modeling here? Like like what's the aspiration of this maturity thing? Like the ideal state that that you're you're going to. Yeah. So just to to flesh it out a little bit, the like secondary the subtitle of funding is how does the company value and therefore fund the platform yeah. efforts and i think that what we're talking about here is the fact that everything we should be doing at a company should be about improving the output of that company and it's very capitalist i get that but that is why we're hired it's what we're doing and that includes internal work that we are saying will improve the efficiency or effectiveness of our engineering which in turn will improve the delivery of features and value to our, our paying users, right? Uh, and so we should be able to articulate the work we're doing in, on internal tooling and how that impacts 
uh, the bottom line. It might be that we're saving money by reducing the um, uh, reducing the amount of compute we have to run on because we're able to like bin pack a bit better. Or it might be that we are increasing revenue by increasing the speed at which developers we can onboard more developers, which therefore lets us onboard people to more feature work. So, right. but but that's sort of the the conversation there is how do we make sure that anything we're building, even if it's internally facing, has a business eye to it. That's right, right. Profit and loss. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That, that and that that like that makes more sense than just how you get the budget. <laughs> yeah. Right, like you're, this you're is saying, one of the because... ones that's been under debate, the na the wording of it for it's sure. It's funny, like a lot of people ask, um, how do they, how can they sell this idea to the to stakeholders or to to the you know to the business to fund? And this is a really great. I haven't heard this sort of you know uh, tie in with profit and loss, you know, of eventually getting there. But uh, it's yeah. It's... The... The hard part and like what these like the middle layers, the annual budget up to platform team budget are starting to, to to expose to people is that you can't get to the point of proving the value of your work if you can't measure the costs in any way. And so if you don't yet have a mature tagging strategy to be able to do a kind of chargeback sort of idea of how much does it cost to run this application? How much mm -hmm. does it cost to run this type of infrastructure that's needed by these five different applications? You know, it might not be the most perfect you know, uh, spreadsheet of, of data there, of accountancy, but being able to m make it so that people don't look at the platform team and say, they cost us millions a year because look at that cloud budget. Look at that cloud spending and have people realize that that cloud spending is actually on all of engineering. Mm -hmm. And what that platform team is costing you is their salaries and mm -hmm. not the data running the database, because that's actually the database is for another team that's running. You're, you're running an internal business like this platform as a product. And it has to this idea of chargeback, I guess that's that's concretely that's how you get to profit and loss. I exactly. Okay, so that makes. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I have seen that. Um, right. And then you can report on these on your, who's buying. Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then, because then you can also see who's who's buying exactly, who's using it. Is mm -hmm. are people choosing your internal platform, or are you funding something internally where people are actually running off and using right. a cloud-provided thing or a SaaS-provided thing instead? Right. And what are they saving by them. using you? Yeah. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. I mean that is that is a very common question for people to say like, how do I sell this within my business? And it's interesting that the platform maturity model can help uh, with that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, another thing you, you, you get with models like this is, uh, and we were talking about this a little bit at the beginning is, uh, yeah, like we're talking about here, like oftentimes people just don't know how to think about something, <laughs> right? Like, like we were saying, like, no one really knows how to think about how would I, what is the value of a platform? Like, do I think about it as like, the way I pay for paper clips or is it something else? Like I, I always wonder in like other industries, like in manufacturing, do they have these same debates about like factories and, and like, you know, if, if you're, you know, I don't think anyone would be like in manufacturing. I don't know if we need a factory. Like it, it just, it's sort of like the ROI of a factory is like existence. And, and like it's, so it seems like, sure. You want to make sure you're not like overpaying for something. And you want to make sure that when you're like running the factory, 
you're maximizing usage productivity, I guess you could say, but like at some point, I mean, it would be absurd, you know, analogously to like platforms to go into a manufacturer and like, you know, uh, someone's trying to prove that they need to pay for a factory and for people to be like, yeah, I'm not sure if we need that or not. Like, and, and so it's like, I'm kind of, I've been hoping recently, well, I have many hopes, but this is just a minor one uh, in my life and this grand sum of things, but like, you know, maybe as, as like more managers and executives and especially finance people at company, like, you know, we're like born with computers like for them, it won't be such a big deal to be like, yeah, we we need computers. Like we need the platform and we need to do development. And sure, don't pay too much for it and make, you know, think of it more as a factory and not that we have to like prove that we should pay, you know, spend money on it. And instead, you like prove the fitness of the platform, that it actually works well and it delivers on on, on what you're promising. Well, that, that I mean, that I, I keep thinking about this. Um build versus buy question. Cause I feel like, you know, with everything, right. There's, there's a point at which uh, you have to build. There is no option to buy the thing that you need. And, and uh, platform teams have been in the business of building platforms for, uh, you know, a couple of decades, at least if not, if not more. Um, and so I don't know, does like, is that a question that comes up for you guys as you do the, as you uh, define the platform maturity model? Cause I know you're focused on outcomes, not tool recommendations. But is there an opinion or, or a perspective on build versus buy? So not not as a part of this piece of work. I think build versus buy definitely comes up often in the conversations within the working group and around how to in, encourage and engage with the, the CNCF uh, projects for how those can support people with as open source projects, but also often having commercial models around them uh, and non-CNCF projects as well. So. Yes, it comes up all the time. It's not something this model, what, what I'm hoping from this model is that you could look at this, take this model and say, would buying this part of our platform help us achieve or not achieve mm. success, right? Uh, and I say in that way, buying this part of our platform, because I think the the thing we're sort of learning is that as an industry, I think, is that there is not a platform. There's not the platform. Uh, there are tools which get pieced together to achieve the delivery workflows that are needed by the company, right? That the, and those workflows might be starting up a new project team or a new application. They might be delivering value to production. They might be um, testing something, user acceptance testing of something. These are sort of things that people need to achieve internally. Uh, and there might be tools that help you do that in different ways, depending on the technology you're using, and your platform needs to provide all of those so that you can have all those experiences kind of uh, approved by what you need from the business to achieve the business. Mm -hmm. and, and and so I, I think, t tell me if I'm wrong, but part of what you're saying there is like, because you have these, these, uh, uh, these five groupings of things, like this kind of, and it defines as we're talking about the platform maturity, like, like, again, you can you can look at a, a buy versus build thing to see like, well, if we build versus we buy, how does that help us or harm us and improving in one of these categories? Right. Like it's it like it, it, it potentially would let you get more detailed in figuring out which of those two you want to do rather than just like, I don't know. It, it seems like a lot of build versus buy discussions are more 
global in scope, <laughs> right? It's just like, like we, we want to consider the whole gigantic thing just as a whole instead of like, well, what are all the different trade-offs we would have between this? Because uh, it's really, I don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there's that much nuance I to just, that, uh, that debate. I think if you want one platform in order and you want to build versus buy one platform, the only thing I can think of is the cloud providers. I don't know any other tool on the market, no matter how expensive or how cheap, that solves literally every yeah. interaction that a software engineer needs to have with your internal tooling as a single tool, right? Yeah. Like we we just don't have that. We have CI pipe, like we have CI tooling and we have app delivery tooling or like app, like hosting tooling. And we have, um, you know, security management tooling and incident management tooling and debugging tooling. And we have all these different toolings and each piece, each one of those is a part of what you need from your platform. So I agree, I see a lot of people talking about, oh, build, buy, like two kind of binary options. And I just don't, quite understand how that works in practice yeah i mean like, i guess i mean vmware is vmware is is in that business and um that's i think that's what that's what we're trying to achieve uh so so maybe that's one example of, of a company that's trying to do that um even within you although this mm -hmm. you have a suite of tools that do it for your customers right so you're not there's not like one vmware tool that is like to rule them all it's like there's you piece there's together components. a whole lot of them there's the components yeah. that that different customers will piece different components together and that's what builds their version of the vmware platform for themselves and that's like that's a nice packaged environment because then they know those components work well together and that's gonna be one of your best kind of chances uh at, at piecing all of these pieces together and having them be a coherent whole which is really nice. yeah but I, but i do but i guess that's the build versus buy like that like that um Wherever wherever a company is uh, in that scale of being able to offer uh, customers an integrated version of that, um, that it's only going to get better, right? And so that build versus buy question just shifts every every day. It shifts, in my view, a little bit more. I mean, maybe not for. I mean, these 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 bigger companies like VMware who are, who are aspiring to that and who you know who are somewhere on the path of offering that. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're not for small companies. These are for, for larger enterprises. So, so that build versus buy also depends on who the buyer is, right. And what your budget is and, and what scale you're operating on. So it, it's still a different question at every stage. And if you do, and which is another great question, because if you start off a smaller company and you're maybe not, you know, able to afford these larger solutions, then uh, at some point that's all, that shift is going to, that shift is going to happen for you too. It's, and you've already invested some work. So it's, it's a tricky question about like what maybe when you make that shift. Have you have you ever tried to apply Wardley mapping when you start thinking about these things? Have you have you come across Wardley mapping before? No, what is that? So um, this gentleman Simon Wardley, it, it's named after him, um, but it's it's grown many legs since then. Uh, though he's still like strongly the driver of the community. And it's basically an idea of looking at the evolution of uh, a market. So, you know, 20 years ago, people were really heavily invested in worrying about on-premise compute. So they were thinking about things like power supplies and CPUs and, and things like that. Today, to think about a power supply when you're spinning up um, like a, a cloud instance would be not on most people's mm -hmm. uh, to-do lists. And so that evolution into commodity is like what has happened. It went from something that was a differentiator to something that is a commodity. And Wardley Mapping tries to take what is within your 
um, domain within like what you need to use, what you rely on as a company and map it on. Is it ever like, is it something that is new and a differentiator for you? Or is it something that is a commodity to the market? And how close to your users is it? So there will be people today. So high frequency traders who are still wildly interested in things like power supplies and on-premise compute because that is a differentiator for their market, whereas it's not for lots of other markets where an extra millisecond or two isn't going to make a difference and you can, it, it's okay. Um, and that, so the map is contextualized to your environment. So what is it that is differentiator for you versus a commodity for you? And it tries to have you, tries to challenge you on mm -hmm. should you be building this is this actually a differentiator for you or is this something that you require to be successful but is not going to be the thing that makes you beat out your competitors or or be top of market so yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting way of modeling things yeah it's sort of like in 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 our in our lower cora there's uh there's the the james waters value line right, right. and and it, and if you were to add like uh, uh, like a time trajectory of like, as something gets commodified, it's some nice, I don't know, complexification of it, but yeah, good, good old, good old fun stuff. Also, also serverless is going to be big next year. That's, that's all. That's all. <laughs> so you have seen worldly mapping before. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it would be nice. Uh, yeah. You know, as, 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 you, as you, you you two are discussing the build versus buy thing. It was occurring to me that like it's almost like like a a, a non money changing hands way of saying it might be like integrated versus build. Like if you have if you have like a platform that's all integrated and like I, well, I hesitate to say easier, but is like more intentionally mm -hmm. put together <laughs> than like configurable it's as a yeah, whole, rather exactly. than something you actually have to like piece together with bash scripts and <laughs> exactly other, other doodahs over here so yeah yeah it's like you know i mean i i'm always leery of metaphors when it comes to programming and operation stuff but it's like you know if you went to someone's house and you're like those windows don't really seem to fit those window frames or like those doors barely it's like they've just kind of like they've <laughs> like found thing. yeah they've like found some parts and like gotten sawed some things around and it fits together and it's a house versus like oh this door closes Right. Like everything actually is integrated together. And like the, uh, you know, the bathroom is just a bathroom and uh, I'll, I'll, you know, thing, things are uh, fit together more, which, yeah, which you can only do with standards. Right. I mean, it only works if you can go to Home Depot and say, I need this kind of hinge and it will fit all doors. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the only way we can. Uh, I mean, go I, abroad I, yeah. and look up American uh, recipes and are like, wait, what? how many what ounce which type of ounce uh and it's just a mess <laughs> exactly yeah and, and then and then you convert between like milliliters and tablespoons and you're like one of these oh. systems is insane like yes. what what is what does it mean that a tablespoon is like 14.2 something good to know there's something harder than building a platform <laughs> and, then, and then and then you realize that the recipes exactly and, and then the recipes are just like slightly off because like mysteriously the cooking cooking temperature for the same thing is a round number, which which I don't I don't think right. that works. That's so true. That's so funny. <laughs> Especially yes. baking, which is so precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, let's see. I I mean, I think we obviously we haven't read the maturity model. It's it's as it stands. I think it's about what is it? Uh, 
eight, eight or nine pages or so. It's actually, <laughs> it's it's actually briefer than I remember it being, which Only, is great. It's only at four. Come on, Kote. Well, when yeah. I scroll here, uh, oh, well, there's like more intro brief. part about how to participate. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, so even better. <laughs> That's true. It does have the contributor part, but it is. Uh, yeah. And, and so like, I mean, if people are interested in contributing, like, uh, like, like what, what's, what's the whole process for that or like the whole culture around contributing to something like this? Yeah. So this, this started as a bit of a brainchild with some colleagues uh, at Sintasso and quickly we realized that if this was going to have any value, we'd have to make sure it was not a company owned thing because this is much bigger than any one company regardless of our level of experience in the industry so we sort of threw some ideas together got a, a bit of a draft together and then immediately threw it out to a bunch of people who are are all very nicely thanked at the bottom of the model uh for having done reviews for us and as i said when we first passed it out i think none of us had very high expectations i think we all thought people are going to look at the word maturity model and they're just going to say nah or they're going to look at it and say you know it's too far off and what we found was actually people were really excited about it mm -hmm. and we got ourselves into the nitty-gritty debates quite quickly which usually mm -hmm. means you're on to something useful right mm -hmm. when you're when you're looking at those one word differences you're, and you're not talking about the overarching thing so yeah, so once we went through that first review, we then donated it to the, the CNCF uh, platforms working group, which I am a member of. Um, and so I'm helping just steward and make sure that people understand the initial context and have accessibility to, to make edits. So to contribute today, um, I'll make sure you have the link, Kote, for any show notes and whatnot uh, to be able to just right here in the Google Doc. It's It can be anonymous. I'd love for you to be signed in so that we can have a, a great back and forth. But any feedback is great feedback. You, everybody, it's globally suggestible. So people can make edits and we'll, we'll look to uh, in, incorporate them as we can, especially if you share what your intention of the edit was. That'd be great because that gives us why um, mm. we, should, we should include it. And you can also comment and respond to other comments. Uh, and that's going to be open for a couple of months, uh, really until things start to slow down on the, the interest. But we're targeting, hopefully, a, a more formal GitHub issue type review cycle in maybe September time uh, in order to hopefully, if we feel like it's ready, uh, have it be ready for KubeCon North America in Chicago, but there's not actually a hard deadline on this. So if we're finding that there's still big questions to be answered come September, we'll keep going. We'll keep having, keep workshopping it until we're comfortable with it as, as a document. So, um, and then if you want to get more involved, the working group meets uh, every month and an hour call and you can and join the CNCF Slack and find the working group and, and join those calls. So there's lots of other really interesting work going on in the platform space with that group. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the other uh, just the platform reference architecture. I always use that. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, so, great job on on that stuff. Working group. <laughs> huge, yeah. I, huge, huge props to the working group. Josh Gavan <laughs> has been the the driving force of a lot of those things from Red Hat, and he's been he's been great and uh, and doing a lot of work there. So definitely, it's it's been a whole team effort through that working group. But I've really enjoyed being a part of it. It's the conversations have been the most interesting bit as it is with all yeah. these models. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hope people who read it will get value, but I know that the people who are helping create it are getting the most value because talking yeah, yeah. through what to do, where the trade-offs are, how to word it. Those are the really interesting bits. So come for sure. Involved. No. And, and like you were saying, like, you, you know, if you're, if you're working with someone on a document or a concept, like you can tell they're very engaged and care if they're 
debating if you should say investing versus funding <laughs> like like you know an all <laughs> exactly yeah and also like it probably is like it would be it would be really weird to incorporate feedback from someone and be like well as you may recall wet yak said that this was a uh, <laughs> an idea we should incorporate because that because google docs is always putting in these absurd names uh for yes. things which uh anyhow uh, like well, great. Was extra absurdly made up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <it's... laughs> well, well how, how about yourself? If people wanted to uh, catch up with things you were doing or, uh, you know, in a non-creepy way, see what you're up to online, <laughs> where would you refer them? Uh, I don't know where to these days. Uh, I, so I think <laughs> yeah. we are all spread out quite widely at these, at this point. So my, the one thing I will say is my last name is very unique. So if you look for an Abby Bangser and it's in the software world and not the art world, you found me. Uh, so I'm on Twitter as a underscore Bangser. I'm on, I've made my way over to blue sky with the same handle, uh, mm. Mastodon, uh, and, LinkedIn with with my my full name so I'm sort of all over the place I try and do cross posting so if you have a favorite platform I'll hopefully see you there so yeah there there's there's what we need a working group on uh is the uh <laughs> too 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 many social silos and uh yeah. we, we need we need some uh uh some consoling and advice about, we're, about we're, what yeah. to do we're, we're on level two on that one <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an xkcd around that something make another standard something, yeah something. Uh, it, it'll yeah. help out well, well, great. It was it was great talking about this with you. I think I think I, I I've got some more uh, understanding of it beyond uh, looking at it, and it's yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be it'll be fun to 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 have it evolve and and see how that pans out. Well, as always, uh, if you've listened this far, I'm not sure how you subscribe to this podcast, but if you're not if you're not subscribed already, you can go to tanzutalk.com and uh, find out easily how to subscribe. You could tell all your friends, tell your enemies too, if that will increase uh, our downloads. That's fine, and your neutrals. Uh, and uh, also, we we stream these kind of, I don't know, would you say Cora at a, a random, unexpected time, whenever it is. So, so we're totally breaking that rule of streaming where you're supposed to be regular and predicting, but whatever. Uh, but if you go to our YouTube channel, it's just VMware Tanzu. You can look yeah. up the video as well. And, and I guess if you, you know, if you've written our, our hook here is we, we like to find something that somebody is publishing and talk about mm. that and have a conversation around that. So if you are, uh, you know, if you have a blog or if you've written something that you think is an interesting topic and want to come on and chat with us, let us know. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Abby. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>